The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. All year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. It's a Thursday on the Chuck Oliver Show. Not just any Thursday. We got bowl games. We got bowl games coming up. We had signing day yesterday. A lot of good stuff going on. And there were even some surprises. There was some old school, I'll say, flipping. The Rayola thing, I don't know. Like, my uncle's the offensive line coach there, and dad was a like a five-time All-American. Uh, like, there was context. It was kind of baked into that. Um, but there was some old-school flipping. And, boy, Miami and Mario, they got into it, no doubt about that. Uh, trying to change things one player at a time. want to welcome on right now. South Florida Sun Sentinel on that Miami beat. It's Adam Lichtenstein. Adam, welcome back, man. How you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm a little tired after driving around half of South Florida yesterday for uh, different signing ceremonies. But, uh, yeah, signing day is always fun, so I'm doing good. Yeah, and it was not, um, you know, I talked about yesterday part of the story was how different signing day is for so many fan bases. Uh, I did something at the College Football Hall of Fame about 10 years ago. I'm not kidding. We had 600 kids there. Um, I was like, that's not what it is anymore. It was for you covering Miami. It was for Miami fans yesterday. Talk about some of the flips. Get from uh, Florida State. Get from Florida. Uh, Just talk about some of the kids that uh, got in, I'll say, quote, last minute, whether it was prearranged and they just announced it at the last minute. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's always fun to see some flips and see some changes at the last minute, even though, like you said, I think they were uh, kind of telegraphed. I think it, none of them were really surprising. Uh, but they're, even if they're not surprising, it's still big news. I mean, you flip a five-star defensive lineman, Armando Blunt, from Miami Central. You flip him from, you know, a big rival in FSU. That's a big deal. You flip a four-star linebacker, a top-100 player, uh, in a Darius Hayes from Florida. That's a pretty good day. And then a couple of days earlier on Monday, they flipped um, four-star running back Jordan Lyle, uh, who's a local kid, flipped him from Ohio State. And then if you go back even a little bit further, you put four, uh, five-star defensive lineman Justin Scott from Ohio State. So over the course of the last three weeks, uh, they've been just breaking the spatula out, uh, flipping a bunch of guys. And then, you know, they almost got Jeremiah Smith, the top player in the country. Yep. Um, I think they were very close to getting him too. So that would have been just like – the recruiting coup of all recruiting coups if they pulled that off. Um, they don't quite get that. They don't quite get him, but still a very, very good day. So, I don't know. Maybe this is just let's beat up on, you know, Randy Shannon and Al Golden. Um, but maybe it's true that a uh, buddy of mine who covers the team and is a big fan as well going back decades, he said, you know, we always have gotten still Dade County kids, but it just wasn't the Dade County kids you really wanted. He says, I think Mario is kind of getting some of the Dade County, the South Florida kids that you want. Um, is that true? And how much does that matter today? Um, I want to say getting four stars and five stars matters, but when they're around for like sophomore, junior years as well. Yeah. I mean, the transfer portal changes everything. It's changed recruiting in, in 800 different ways. And yep. there are people who know more about it and who will go more in depth about it. But, the, you know, high school recruiting still matters. I mean, ideally, you know, you want to get a handful of guys out of the portal, but build the foundation of your roster 
uh, in high school recruiting with guys who were there for a while. And I think that's what Kristen Ball and the Hurricanes are really trying to do. And they've had a lot of success the last two years uh, with local guys. It's off the top of my head, uh, Wesley Bessains was a four-star linebacker out of Miami Central. He's becoming a bigger and bigger contributor. Uh, Ruben Bain was a, a border, you know, four-star guy out of my, also out of Miami Central. He's ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year this year after just an excellent first season. Uh, Mark Fletcher, four-star running back, they flipped out of uh, from Ohio State. He's out of American Heritage, which is in Broward County, uh, powerhouse program. He comes in his first year. He's a big contributor. He's in the, you're going to see him, I think, a lot in the bowl game. You're going to see him a lot next year, too. Um, so, you know, you, you get the guys you want in South Florida. Instead of just getting, like, Joe Schmo from South Florida to say you recruited South Florida, you get the guys you want, like Armando Blunt, like um, Zaquan Patterson, and JoJo Trader out of Chaminade Madonna, which has become a kind of a pipeline for the Hurricanes. And, you know, they've won three straight state titles. They're just loaded with talent. You get four guys out of St. Thomas Aquinas where they're just, you know, constantly sending guys to D1 schools. You get the guys you want out of South Florida. That's where you really start to see things. You see, you know, differences. You get, you get these guys. And, you know, I mean, you can talk up South Florida football all you want. It's one of the best areas for high school football in the country. No so you get these guys who are, you get these guys who are stars in South Florida and you would expect them to develop into stars at the next level. Yeah, a buddy of mine around the Bama program said it's when Saban started getting down there. He was like, watch what happened to Miami football. It's like Alabama found South Florida like big-time way. It's an interesting point. Um, all right, so I was wrong about Jafari Harvey. I thought he was going to replace Jalen Phillips and Russo and that bunch, and I was wrong. Uh, so now he's gone. Um, he's in the portal. Was Tyler Van Dyke told um, we want somebody else? Why don't you portal? Um, I can't say for sure that he was told, you know, you need to leave, find a new place. But I do think that by the end of the season, everyone kind of knew it might be best for you to move on. Yeah. Um, you know, if it was a spoken thing or it wasn't, okay. um, I, whether it was, you know, explicitly said it's time for you to go or like it might be best if you do. Um, I don't think anyone was surprised or were devastated by that news. I, I I think that was it was pretty well expected that he was going to be heading out. And you know he's a good kid. I wish him the best of luck up at Wisconsin. I think he could do well in you know if, with Phil Longo up there. I think he can do well up there. And you know I hope he does. Um, I think I think I think Mario Cristobal and all, all the staff here. I think they hope he does well too because uh, you know I think everyone likes him. He's a tough kid. Played through a bunch of injuries and stuff uh, at Miami. Uh, and I think really wanted to be successful at Miami and got tastes of it, but it didn't quite work out in the end. I think with the fans kind of turning on him a lot, yep. I just think it, yep. you know, everything like that goes around with that, I think everyone knew it was kind of time to move on. There's a dynamic with QBs. It just is not like any other. And so, okay, uh, who are they getting? Is it Cam Ward? Is it somebody else? Yeah, the, the big the big rumor now is Cam Ward. I mean, I think that's their QB1. That's who they want. Um, I think they would have loved if he had committed after his visit last week. But uh, he didn't. He's considering FSU as well. So that's a big battle that's still going on, you know, past signing day. I think they want Cam Ward. I think if they don't get him, they move on to their next target. Uh, they, they brought in Will Howard for a visit, um, but he's also considering USC. And obviously USC has a lot of things going for it. Uh, I think they'd also like – they also like K.J. Jefferson, the Arkansas transfer. So if you don't land Ward, Stuck. maybe you move on to Howard and Jefferson. And then you don't land them, then uh, we'll see what happens. Good insight, Adam. Like I said, it's just interesting that, um, you know, Tyler Van Dyke and I was commenting, maybe it was Tuesday, that 
I thought he may enter the draft after the 22 season, and now he's actually entering the portal and playing somewhere else. And so, I mean, obviously, like I said, there's a dynamic there, but it's just really, really surprised me that that's how it ended up. Uh, all right, any other news, any other big surprises or headlines at least you expect from the portal with Mario and them? Um, really, I don't expect any major, major moves in the portal uh, going forward, except for a quarterback. Obviously, that's the biggest domino, I think. You need the quarterback. Uh, they've, they've got guys on the roster. I mean, we'll see how Jakari Brown does in the bowl game and see how Emory Williams comes back from his arm injury. Um, but I think they, they really do want a portal guy for at least one season. Um, but I think the quarterback's the big domino. But then, uh, And I was talking about this with another reporter the other day. They're kind of set. Like, last year they brought in 20-plus, or maybe not 20, but like 15-plus portal guys to replace a large wave of outgoing players. This year, it hasn't really been like that so far. So far, they've lost about 10 guys to the portal, most of whom were role players. You have Van Dyke, which was expected. The only one that's really surprised me has been Colby Young, the wide receiver. Um, it looks like he might be going to Georgia. I think he visited Georgia and Penn State. Um, so that's a tough loss to, to lose him to the portal. But other than that, it's mostly role players or you know guys who were contributors but not like Stars, guys like like you mentioned, Jafari Harvey, Don Chaney Jr., guys who were contributors but like aren't irreplaceable. Um, they brought in a couple guys already through the portal, a couple defensive tackles, which fill uh, fills a void. You know, they brought in one safety. I think they might get more uh, more defensive backs in the portal um, if they can get a you know a star receiver or a standout receiver to fill in immediately in Colby Young's spot. I think that would be good. But they really don't have these big holes on the roster that they had a year ago, um, except for quarterback. Like I said, quarterback's the biggest thing. But other than that, like, they really don't have holes. Running back is pretty much set. Receiver, with the exception of filling Colby Young's spot, pretty much set. The offensive line, they're losing two guys to the draft. You know, when they're bringing in a very good recruiting class, um, they're bringing in a, Ju- a Juco kid who is, I say kid, he's like 6'9", 340 pounds, um, who, you know, could very well – slot in on the line immediately and they have depth there you know defensive line they've got depth linebacker they've got depth you know defensive back they got to replace their safeties but they've got guys like they really don't have these big glaring holes that they need to go out and get the biggest names in the portal you know at most positions and like i said i'll reiterate quarterback's the most important position they really do need a quarterback pretty badly but once they fill that spot they're not in a. They're in a, they have a pretty good roster already there in Coral Gables. Can I ask you just for a quick commentary because they didn't get the kid, so it's somebody else's receiver now. But Jeremiah Smith, I was like, they didn't get him, but it's not nothing because, like, if you're a receiver and Ohio State comes calling, my answer is yes. Like sight unseen, I don't like. I'm gonna go there and then I'm gonna be a first round pick and I'm gonna be a Pro Bowler and I'm gonna get my second contract. Like I'm very like that's a math equation to me. Um, how real was that? Because it. It, it's not just it's not just the money. It can't be for a, rep- oh, a, a recruit like yeah. that. Yeah, for a guy like Jeremiah Smith, number one player in the country, and you know, as someone who's covered either high school sports or been to a lot of high school games while covering recruiting down in South Florida the last like decade or so, he's the best high school player I've ever seen by far. And I've covered some really good players. He's incredible. Um, and whatever, and you know, Ohio State, like they're getting a great player, um, and whatever money he's getting, he deserves it because he is incredible. Um, I do think it was very real. I think coming into signing day, like I spoke to him on Tuesday night and I did a story of, I, with an interview about, with him uh, from the Nat Moore Awards uh, on Tuesday night. 
And he was he spoke very highly of Cristobal. He spoke very highly of Ryan Day and Mike Norbell. Um, I and he was talking about it like he had a decision to make. Uh, and he talked about it like that uh, when he won the award. Like he was talking about making a decision and it coming down to the wire. And my thought process is, if it's the night before signing day and you've been committed for a year and you're talking about a decision, well, you're not really that committed. So I think it was real. Um, he told reporters after picking Ohio State yesterday that he, you know, he walked in, he had neutral colors on, white and black, and he had a bag. He said the bag had an Ohio State hat and a Miami hat in it. Um, and I buy it. I, I buy that because I look at those two schools. I never really bought the, uh, the FSU hype with him, and maybe he liked FSU. But to me, like you said, you go to, if you're a top receiver, going to Ohio State is the Sold. obvious decision. Yeah, you got Brian Hartline there. They send guys in the first round like every year. You know, they always have quarterbacks, you know, even though Kyle McCord's in the portal or is going to Syracuse now. They always have a quarterback. They're always competing for the playoff. You know, easiest decision in the world. I buy that. And Miami, you're at home, and I think that as, even in the world of NIL and everything else, I think playing close to home is still big to a lot of kids. I'm actually working on a story about that today. I think playing near home is a big appeal. You know, you're near home. You're near your family. Half of your friends are going to Miami because he's got two, two, two teammates going to Miami in this class, plus a bunch of other South Florida kids who he knows um, from youth football and just from being around South Florida. He's got buddies, you know, people he knows who are also in Ohio State's class. Like I mentioned, Justin Scott, who flipped. He knows yep. Justin Scott, who flipped from Ohio State to Miami. So he knows half of the incoming class already, like knows them well. You know, Cristobal's an ace recruiter. So I really, I did buy that hype. I thought Ohio State was most likely... But if he flipped, it would be to Miami. And that's kind of how it seems how it played out. Uh, and then, you know, we have all the drama last night. He, he delayed sending in his letter of intent for about nine hours or so. Um, I don't know the exact details behind that. I know Miami was um, working on him and trying to get him to change his mind. Um, and it would have been very crazy if he did. But ultimately, he signs with Ohio State. They're getting an excellent player. Like, I really can't say enough about him as a player. You know, in all my interactions with him, he's been a good kid, very open to talking to the media. Um, so they're getting they're getting a, a really good player right there. I mean, I, I was I posted a picture on Tuesday night of him holding like a personalized Dolphins jersey, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if three years from now the Dolphins are going to be able to get him because he might be they might be too good to get him because he could be. I would not be shocked at all if we're talking about him as a top five, top ten draft pick in three years. I had to choose between knowing all about Miami or knowing Adam Lichtenstein, so I chose we'll know Adam Lichtenstein. I appreciate you coming on, brother. Thank you for the expertise. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks for having me. Covers the Canes. He's on the beat for the Sunset. Does a fab job at it, too. So, that just, like I said, it's one of those, if a five-star offensive tackle is committed to Bama and he's deciding in the final day or two about you, I don't know. I'll pay t- Even if he goes to Bama, I'm going to pay attention. I'm like, really? They were, they were in this? It's not nothing. I thought we were talking about that with a couple of Hugh Freeze wide receiver commits. Like, Go look at their signing class. It starts with two five-star wide receivers. But yes, at Auburn with Peyton Thorne. And yes, so maybe Peyton Thorne will be a whole lot better next year, a lot more impactful experience and then these guys. So a lot of headlines yesterday on a recruiting day that on first blush, um, it wasn't just a furious, you know, land grab, but 
there were still a lot of interesting stories that developed, especially at the top of the uh, the rankings, even with some of the number, state's number one players. So good stuff. And Ryan Williams, again, as we said, in the state of Alabama, still uh, not signed. All right, we're going to take a break. We will come back and continue next. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Jingle bell, jingle bell, Attention football fans. Jingle bells. Dr. Pepper and Hooters giving you the chance to win tickets to the Big Bowl game in Atlanta, December 30th. Stop in your local Hooters today. Anywhere in the footprint of the program, you go into any Hooters. We've had winners in Mississippi, Tennessee, Louisiana, here in Georgia down in Florida, all around. Any Hooters, you can register for your chance to win tickets in the hotel, college football bowl game in Atlanta, courtesy of Dr. Pepper. While at your Hooters, post a picture of you and your party drinking an ice cold Dr. Pepper using hashtag Hootersville for an additional chance to win. It's the ultimate college football bowl game promo, courtesy of Dr. Pepper and Hooters. Stop in for your chance today. Chuck Oliver Show, the day after signing day. And something that I had referenced a little bit yesterday but now that the numbers are just about in every tier of kid even the five stars there's a couple but every tier of kid the every tier of recruit five star four star three star etc there are still a few kids that for whatever reason it could be a grades thing it could be he's not decided it could be a drama thing it could be he's trying to maximize whatever not every kid has signed his letter of intent yet but something we mentioned yesterday, and it all looks worse, man, when you can put it in black and white. If we get down in the state of South Carolina to the 26th highest-ranked kid, he's a three-star tackle out of Hopkins, and Dakari Sumter has not signed. He's got his situation. I don't know if it's great. I don't know if he's not decided. I don't. Uh, maybe he's going to play basketball. Maybe he's waiting to see if the end of uh, Major League Baseball drafts him and everybody backed off. I don't know. Davion Coffey, kid out of Myrtle Beach, three-star athlete, hadn't signed. It happens. Not a huge deal. But at this point, every player in the state of South Carolina, inside the top 24, all of them have signed their letters of intent. So it is not about recruiting or true loving or playing footsie or anything. The programs you will see represented in the top 24 in state kids in South Carolina. So much context, folks. But top 24, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, NC State, UCF, West Virginia, Coastal Carolina, NC State, again, Florida State, Oklahoma State, East Carolina, Cincinnati, Memphis, Virginia, Boston College, Georgia State, East Carolina, and Northwestern. Clemson, not a single kid. Did they want all of them? No. Did they need all of them? No. They needed some of them. Like the four-star receiver who from Greenville, which is basically North Clemson, who's going to Columbia. The top two players in the state, offensive tackles, Clemson needed those and wanted to both of them, both going to Columbia. So there's, they may not have wanted everybody, and I know that they didn't. They didn't uh, pursue, and it wasn't a priority, and some of it is a legacy, but let's hope he turns us down. They wanted somebody in the top 24. 
Every state is different. I was talking 2017. The top two receivers in state were Ortre Smith and Shy Smith. Clemson didn't get either one of them, and they needed receivers. Well, they did get Amari Rogers and T. Higgins from out of state. So it was context. There ain't that much context. What's going on, Heath? A couple of things here, Chuck. One, uh, look, there'll be more on FSU tomorrow, obviously, but uh, Brett McMurphy of the Action Network, I get that there's a need if you're a national insider type, you need to say something when there's a big story. So this is the tweet that Brett sent. Florida State's starting process of leaving ACC will, quote, have an Oppenheimer-like ripple effect throughout college landscape, source told Action Network HQ, as one of biggest TV brands, FSU could land in Big Ten or SEC. And if those aren't options, the Big 12. Uh, well, yes, those those would be the possibilities, yes. I, I, I wasn't thinking the Ivy League is where FSU no. was going to go. So, yes, the other power conferences do seem like the most logical landing, places, landing spots for FSU if they go. Again, we'll do more with that tomorrow. I just found that amusing. Look out, Chuck. They're going to go to somewhere. And, Details to follow. And I, there, a lot of this is shaking their fist. And I've said that. The substance here, most of it is shaking their fist. If you and the other party both understand we're going to shake our fist and it's going to be kind of public, that might get you some quarter. It may not, but it may. The other part I did want to mention quickly, tonight is the Boca Raton Bowl, and I get that there's a lot of people, especially with the NFL on, not exactly riveted to Syracuse and USF. Chuck, I don't know that people have paid enough attention to what USF's done and what Alex Golish has done specifically as their head coach. Getting that team to six wins was not an easy task. It's a horrid Look at product. Their schedule, how bad their team was at the start oh. of the year. The only game anybody remembers they played was playing Alabama close, and that was all about Alabama and how bad they looked. If Golish can build off of this year and he had a good class for USF, I'm telling you, Chuck, watch tonight. Get a look at USF while you can and Golish while you can because if you're a casual fan, this is going to be the guy – with his background and now Florida recruiting ties, this is going to be the kind of guy in 25, 26, every program is saying, oh, we got to go get us one of those kind of guys when you need a coach with some offensive background for your program. You might might want to give it a look tonight. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and putting up a bunch of yards and points was kind of the calling card, and they got their business done, and they did. They, they never really took off this season. It's not like after the Bama game, that's when they got hot. No, they just kind of existed above water. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Talking college 
football two hours a day, year-round, no less. Been doing that since 2014. Thank y'all. I don't know, a snarky headline writer? FSU, still mad. Like, that could be the, the headline of substance, at least, as far as I understand. The headline, if you included the details of substance, because FSU, they are still mad, but now they're going to have additional meetings about how mad they are. And I thought that that was the intent of it. I thought that was the complete picture. I start hearing crazy stuff about how they think they have enough of a legal fund that they could extend this and get public and angry enough that basically you don't want somebody walking around yelling, it sucks in this neighborhood, don't buy a house here. They don't care what the swim tennis looks like after they leave, and they are leaving. So you don't really want somebody walking around the neighborhood saying that. That's kind of what you got. Want to welcome on right now, Tampa Bay Times. He covers everything when it comes to college football in that state, and what a state it is, Matt Baker. Matt, welcome back, friend. How are you? I'm wonderful. I would kill for one normal day, just one normal 24-hour period in this where I can catch my breath and, like, mow the lawn without – you know, without worry, but that's that wasn't today. No, college football in the state of Florida, always something. That's why I'm employed, man. That's why you're employed. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so Florida State still mad. Well, we all we all knew they were mad. Um, is there some sort of legal? I've been told that they've got like venture capital money to extend like a legal uh, fight and be as public and nasty as they need to be. Um, but there's still no legal basis to this. They're just trying to wrangle a lower exit and a sooner exit. Um, what do you know? Because you're a professional journalist. I, I have heard a bunch of stuff, uh, I mean, going back years, right? This, this, this current issue with the ACC has been simmering for a long time, um, and it's just kind of ebbed and flowed, and I think the playoff exclusion ramped it up to some degree um, for, for several reasons. There's Maybe there is a legal argument that – Florida State, the ACC let Florida State down. It was not holding up its end of the bargain, and and Florida State would get a, a you know should be should be able to get out of this grant of rights because the league let Florida State down. That's why how you explain a thirteen and zero team getting left out. I'm not a lawyer. I haven't seen the grant of rights. I don't know if that's legit or not, but it's certainly something that has been discussed. Um, other than that, I mean, we're, there's an emergency board meeting scheduled for 10 a.m. on Friday. They haven't published an agenda on their website yet. Believe me, I keep checking every couple minutes because this is my life right now. Um, so I'm curious to see what exactly the arguments will be, what exactly the details are. But we know with broad strokes what's coming, and you know, because it's been telegraphed. I mean, literally for publicly for 10 months and privately Absolutely. for a lot longer than that. All right, so Florida State on field is this? Uh, I'm supposed to like this is supposed to be ABC after school special, isn't it? And the team came together and ran out of the tunnel and defeated the big bad SEC opponent. No, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, tell me what you think as far as FSU representing on the field versus Georgia. Yeah, I think you're probably right, and I don't have a full list of the Georgia opt-outs. I don't, you know, I, I'm not there yet. I don't know where all what all that's going to be. Um, but yeah, this is one of those situations where, like a lot of bowls, it's the team that we, we see here in, in a couple of weeks in that Hard Rock Stadium is not going to be the one that took the field in Charlotte. It's not going to be the one that you know, beat Clemson and nope. LSU. And it's the same with Georgia, just to a different degree. So I don't know what to make of it. I mean, certainly if you just kind of look at the numbers, Georgia's recruited at such a high level that 
their backups are probably going to be better than, than Florida State's backups in this kind of opt-out world we live in. So, I, I, yeah, I think the most likely scenario here is that Florida State ends up losing maybe handily to Georgia, and then it kind of renews conversations. Oh, look, Florida State wasn't that good to begin with, which is, which is silly because, you know, a bunch of their guys are going pro and, and opting out. So it's just one of those weird things where – this is the next data point that we have, but it's not an indicative data point or a meaningful data point, probably for Georgia and certainly not for Florida State, not with a bunch of other teams other than the four that actually made the playoff. All right. So if we can DeLorean back just a year ago, Dante Moore, hi, I'm a five-star and I'm going to UCLA. It's a year later and he's like, I'm not happy I'm leaving. And he called out, like, took a drive-by at Chip Kelly and he's like, I need better coaching. I was like, Wow. Um, so that's just a year later. DJ Lagway, I, I have asked anybody who has any sort of opinion. I was like, still going to Florida, still going to Florida, still going to Florida. And everybody was like, yeah, still looks like he's a big cheerleader. He's the 11th recruiter out there. I was like, all right, great. Um, and then there's the fact that Graham Mertz is coming back after completing most of his passes and never turning it over and, like, really having a much better season than most of us expected. So, what real impact is DJ Lagway going to have in 24? That's a really good question, and I don't have a good answer just because I don't know how, you know, Lagway is supposedly the real deal, right? Yep. Like he, he's Absolutely. Of, he, you know, National Player of the Year by Max Preps, maybe he'll end up being Gatorade Player of the Year, you know, Florida's biggest recruit since Tim Tebow, but he is still going to be a freshman. The, the, you know, Texas high school football is legit but it is not the SEC. It is not opening against Miami. It's not playing Florida State and UCF and, and Georgia and all those others. So it, it is going to be a learning curve. Can he come in day one and be the starter? I don't know. But the, the good thing for him and for the Gators is that he doesn't have to be. Graham Mertz is, at minimum, a capable SEC quarterback. And, you, you know, you would think another year in this system would give him more familiarity, more comfort, and the ability to grow even more. So, I think, honestly, the best-case scenario for Florida, at least kind of in the long term, is that Lagway doesn't have to play. He learns behind a veteran who started a bunch of games, thrown a bunch of meaningful passes, and then Lagway could be the starter in, in 25. Now, will that actually play out? I don't know. But that would be a very good scenario just in terms of letting the guy learn first. All right. This is a serious question I'm going to ask you because you are there in Tampa. Um, South Florida, as recently as, I don't know, like this October, really really not a good product some saturdays wildly inconsistent still got a lot of things to figure out i am not going to gloss over this they got enough wins to go to a bowl game uh, that this is a big deal to me for the program uh tell me got any strong opinions about tonight because it's hard to say because like we were talking about with the florida state georgia situation there's so many there's just a lot of weirdness when it comes to Syracuse. You know, they had the coaching change here at Schrader, the quarterback yep. out. So I don't have a good read on what to expect from Syracuse. I do think, though, I have a pretty good idea of what to expect from USF. It's continued growth that we saw throughout the season. I think they got better, generally speaking, as the year went on, and yep. they kind of figured it out. We've got a good quarterback in Byron Brown, better than good, a very good quarterback in, in Byron Brown. And I think in bowl games like this, the, the motivation factor is extremely important. And USF's got a chance to have a winning season. They've got a chance to knock off a major conference opponent in a bowl game in their own state. I, I think USF can certainly come out and win this one. And you, you factor in uh, you know, the on-field growth, the stadium progress, yep. the number one recruiting class in the, in the uh, conference that, that they cemented yesterday. There's a lot of signs, a lot of reasons to be optimistic for the Bulls. 
because again, I'm not pimping the Bulls here, but after October 14th, they went to Memphis and gave up a bunch of points and lost, and that happens to a lot of people who go to Memphis. Uh, and yep. then Frank Harris scored like 10 touchdowns. Um, other than those two Saturdays, they like since the middle of October for South Florida, that's a pretty good back half of the season. Absolutely, I agree with you about him tonight, um, and I think it's you know pointing north for him. So that's not that's not nothing when you play football in Florida. Uh, hey, Matt, I appreciate the insight, brother. Thank you. All right, thank you, guys. Well, Matt Baker, Tampa Bay Times. I've t- it's not nothing. And, by the way, they're not really good. They're just so much better than they were. Do you know who Howard is? The the athletic program at the university. I believe Howard's in D.C. Um, in 2022... South Florida hosted Howard, the Bison, in week two and beat them. South Florida didn't win anything else last year. At home, on the road, if there was a neutral site game, there was no bowl. Um, didn't matter. They beat Howard, who is a FCS program, I think, pretty sure. And they didn't win. And so an FCS team that had 63 scholarships, and traveled whatever less than that, you beat them, and then you didn't win anything else. So at 6-6, six and six, no, it's not great. It's probably not even actually good. After mid-October, October 14th, and, I mean, FAU, they put them on a stick. Um, after October 14th, they went to Memphis and gave up 59. They scored 50 of their own, but, you know, we went to Memphis and it was a shootout and we lost. Well, Memphis kind of does that. They want to. And then again, at UT San Antonio with seventh-year quarterback Frank Harris. And he might have scored five or six touchdowns that day. Other than those two days, and they counted, and they other than those two, yeah, sure, over the last six weeks, but – they played a lot better, and they have a chance tonight to win. And Syracuse is just in a weird spot. I have no idea. Good for every kid that showed up. I hope they get playing time and tape and for whatever purpose they need it for. But they don't have the quarterback. They don't have the coach. They don't have anything. And Fran Brown's just waiting to take over. So that's a different feel. So we always talk about location and motivation. Um, yeah, that's a big deal tonight for South Florida. So, all right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and, my gosh, wrap up the show next. of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Download it now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. We don't look at where you're from. We look at who you are, um, how you compete, how do you behave when you're here, what do people say about you, what your makeup is. That's and I could really care less whether they're number one in their state or number two in their state. I'm, I care a whole lot more about how they behave when they get here and do they buy into our culture because I, I don't think the rankings matter. I really don't, don't think they matter. He's right. It's like one slight adjustment. They don't have to matter. 
There are folks who absolutely will sign their name to the document. Stars matter. Ratings, rankings matter. Um, I don't have to, to the point that, like Georgia, I mean, they have 85 kids on scholarship. They all didn't finish number one in their state. Interesting part with Kirby, when every coach talks about new recruiting grounds, my goodness, he's gotten the number one player from a state like Arizona, number one player from Nevada, number one player in California, number one player from Pennsylvania, number one, number one, number one. He says he doesn't care. Now, that part I believe. He doesn't care. I think he just goes out and recruits ball players, and then, like, later someone would look and go, oh, look how highly they're all rated. Well, yeah, because Kirby's evaluating them, and he knows he can get them. If he were the head coach at Nevada, then he would not even – he would not be evaluating – if he evaluated the kid as a five-star, his head coach of the Wolfpack, he would say, yeah, we can't get him. Where's a two-star that everybody's overlooking that actually is a four-star? Like, that sort of thing. That would be different. Blue sky for Kirby here? It's a four-star that NC State really thought they were in on, and Kirby's like, no, that kid's elite. So in that case, he doesn't care. Now, just for anecdotal knowledge, if you look at the signed letters of intent from high school kids yesterday, the various states that they're in, and there's overlap, obviously, because Georgia, for instance, they signed nine kids. Ellis Robinson's a corner in Florida, number two in a state. Justin Williams, number two in his state. K.J. Bolden, number three in his state. Chris Cole, number one in the state of Virginia. I mean, keep on going down. Number eight, number two. Daniel Calhoun, he's a four-star tackle out of Marietta, Georgia. He's number 12 in the state. Well, my gosh, like four of the kids ahead of him on Georgia's class are also from Georgia. So do we look at Daniel Calhoun and say he's only 12th? Because right after him, DeMello Jones, he's 13th in the state. Oh, he's also in Georgia. Like, I don't know that it matters. So that's part of what Kirby is saying. Courtesy of this stuff matters. Um, when you look at the, I don't want to say shakeup um, in recruiting rankings, but some of the changes that took place over the last couple of days, um, some of the so much of the attention goes to name, image, likeness, and I certainly do understand that, um, but it's not. There's a thread kind of weaving through a couple of different parts here uh, of college football recruiting. It's not just how much are we spending on name, image, likeness, and certainly not with high school kids. Let them get into the program and then make their own deals, and that's a much more effective way to do it if you have the resume as a program to say, look, just be associated with us, wide receiver at Ohio State, like that sort of thing. Um, So much of attention is paid to – how much you're spending for name, image, likeness, and my goodness, it certainly can be a factor. But it also is where and how you're spending it. Told you I started the show with this, that Billy Napier had spent $7.3 million just on off-field support staff, analysts, quality control, etc. And so I texted Dave Bar too, and he didn't like give me like specific programs to insert here. But I was talking about calibers of programs that might be spending that total for their two coordinators and eight assistants, like their ten actual coaches who might be doing that. And you can go online and find for public universities, like I don't know what Vanderbilt's spending. Don't need to, probably. They're not relevant. But Kansas State, Texas Tech, 
Uh, Missouri-ish level for an entire on-field staff, yes. And your takeaway, and it's the same thing with name, image, likeness, just because you have the money, and then here's the other part that not every program gets, just because you have the money and then you're willing to spend it. All kinds of coaches have we heard. Lane Kiffin does it at Ole Miss. Jimbo did it at Florida State. We need to spend the money we have. Mark Rick used to say it in Athens. Kirby showed up, and suddenly he's getting an indoor thing, and he's getting a, a Kirby copter, and he's getting an enlarged budget, like everything he wanted. Have the money? Yeah, Georgia always had the money. How about you spend it? That is just getting you to the starting line. And I'm not even saying even evaluating kids properly. It's evaluating your strategy. I mentioned Nick Harbor, Nicholas Harbor. He's a five-star high school senior a year ago, and South Carolina's like, we're spending on Rattler and him. Um, and they got it right. That kid's a monster physically, 6'5", like 230, and he runs like a deer. In fact, like track is his number one thing. And until track isn't his number one thing, he's going to keep being a wide receiver and kind of training in that mode. So it's not when I say that, but it's not just having the money and being willing to spend it. Now you got to spend it right, folks. I am not talking about evaluating a kid. Evaluating kids to spend money on is easy, and you you might get it right. South Carolina did. Their strategy, their approach, did not serve them well. If you're Georgia, and you want to jump in and add a kid like Nick Harbor, you can do that, and the contribution is it's worth the wait. At South Carolina. You only have so many shots through name, image, likeness. And, again, a position where notoriously slow for freshmen, true freshmen in this conference to break out, that wasn't the kid. Uh, he's going to be everything he's projecting. It's going to happen for him, going to. It wasn't having the money. They found it. It wasn't the willingness to spend it. Whole purpose behind everything. Like, South Carolina did everything right except the strategy. Like, the think session before the whiteboard. All right, no bad ideas. They did everything right except that. Same thing with Billy Napier. Dan Mullen was criticized. See, this is the I don't, willing to spend. I don't know. He could have spent it. Maybe he... Here's the thing with Dan, Chuck's opinion. He really, really, like that image we have about Dan Mullen really, really was about the play sheet, was about his plays and his offense and his mind, and I'm going to outcoach, and that's how we're going to win. Like with Dan Mullen, he believed that. I mean, it was top of mind with him. I'm going to coach this talent to XYZ outcome. And so he was criticized for not embracing the overall concept, the idea, the advantages of an analyst and off-field staff. Billy Napier, that was part of his advanced billing was when he gets here, he's bringing an army of information with him. And they went from a total off-field staff of like, I don't know, when Mullins like 30, to at first 65, and then I don't know, I've heard numbers approaching 100. But because the expenditures have to be documented, $7.3 million. So whereas Florida, if you always, well, what do you mean the willingness to spend? Not at a big program. It was Florida. Somebody wasn't spending it. I don't know if it was willingness or they just didn't see the value or the need. But Florida's in the SEC. They had the money, and they're Florida. They didn't spend it for whatever reason with Mullen. They're doing it now. They're just not doing it right. 
When you tell me that the three areas, not only is it an army of information with a legion of people, when you tell me, and here are the three areas we're going to benefit. We're going to benefit in athlete performance. That tells me on field we're going to benefit. I don't know. You, you won six games, and then you won five. So that first one that you said, three areas, we will gain an advantage from the way we approach information. Athlete performance, not yet. Recruiting, not yet. Quality control, uh, no. So he set the expectation. He told us what the outcome would be, and to this point, the first one is prohibitive to some programs. We ain't got the money, sorry. Florida's got it, and they have the willingness to spend. Now it's the last thing. Get it right. All right, wraps it up on a Thursday. Appreciate everybody coming here for your college football conversation. David on the ones and twos back at the studio. Heath Klein as well. Thank you all. Give us 22 hours. We'll recharge those batteries. Be back this time tomorrow with more college football conversation. Right here on Chuck Oliver Show. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.